How do everybody? Welcome to the first video episode of Glasgow Podcast. Thank you to all that have been with me so far on the, the audio journey, but we're giving this a bash. Um, first episode will be with John Viola. John, for, for those of you that don't know him, has been a football agent in Scotland for the last 25 years. Represents players from all over the UK and the world and we'll be talking to him today about his career to date and also the John Viola Academy that he set up where you can study for a degree in this industry so let me know your thoughts um, give it a wee like and subscribe and I'll catch up with you all soon so John Viola the, the man who's going to make Glasgow Podcast the, the best podcast in Scotland over the next year hopefully thank you very much for agreeing to come on for the first video no problem, Gary. It's my pleasure. Brilliant. And obviously, I'd imagine most people in Scotland, from a sporting sense, will know who you are, but also a business sense. Last 20, 25 years, you've been a football agent, a very successful football agent. I think the the first thing that I was wanting to know was from your point of view, obviously, you've done that for a long time, but how did you get into that industry in the first place? What was the path that, that put you into that sort of thing? That's quite interesting. Um I was actually working in financial services, Gary, mm-hmm. and when I was, during that period, I was looking after footballers and footballers' finances, and uh, believe it or not, one of my friends started talking about being a football agent. It wasn't something that was big at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, he started off on that pathway, and I had a wee look at it myself, and I thought, I think I could do that, mm-hmm. and it was a change of career from being in financial services to becoming a football agent. And did you... Did you have any idea at that point if it was going to be something that you were going to do for 20, 25 years or did you see it as the next step on from working in that financial sector to I'll try this and see how it goes? It was sort of an unknown at the time, mm-hmm. um, but I, I was excited and I thought, you know, this is something I think I could do and it was something I thought would be that I possibly for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I got a feel for it quite early because it wasn't completely new because mm-hmm. I dealt with footballers and I knew a wee bit of background about what they were all about, mm-hmm. um, and I got the opportunity, uh, I jumped at it. And see, from from you dealing with footballers with their finances and that sort of thing, how difficult was it for you to then step into that agent role? How did you establish yourself at that point, coming into a totally new, and as you said, it wasn't as well known then as it is now, but for you, how did you start building your contacts and, and getting players, etc. at that point? Well, I already had a wee, wee team of, of, of guys that I, I knew and I knew well and they trusted me. Uh, so I had a sort of a, quite a good start and been able to get into the industry. Mm-hmm. I knew a wee bit about what's happening in the background and the business, but I have to say I didn't really know what it was all about. <laughs> uh, at first I thought I'll become an agent, you know, this looks good and let's let's try this new this new industry. But that was now nearly 27 years ago and uh, I have to say uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster to <laughs> say the least. <laughs> Do you think... And you, you touched on it a wee bit there. Do you think that the way that the kind of sporting world or the business world perceives a football agent has changed over that time? Because you'll see, obviously I'm a football fan, and you'll read things about agents like Raiola, etc., and they'll get absolute dogs abuse. They'll be called mercenaries, everything under the sun, whereas you'll see other agents that nobody says anything about. It, it seems to go from one extreme to the other, but you've probably noticed it more from your side being in there from that period then to, to now and probably massive differences you would have noticed in the perception of people? Well, I have to tell you, perception's been nearly the same throughout. It's been quite Aye. constant. Uh, I don't think many people Aye. like us. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Or do you think it's just people see those figures and go, they, they must all just be getting that money? And I'd put it down, they just basically don't understand what the job's all about. Mm-hmm. And only, remember, the public are only seeing, Gary, the... You know, the last minute, you know, when you're coming in a helicopter and doing a deal Aye. and Jim White and the last <laughs> the last minute nonsense, they don't Aye. actually see what physically happens throughout or the period for the full year before Aye. it. So for me, you know, I don't think they know. If they knew a bit more and understood a bit more, I think their the, the perception mm-hmm. of football agents would change mm-hmm. uh, dramatically. And see, from that, though, obviously people will just look at the transfer, but from your point of view, what other things would you do with a player? Obviously, taking away the transfer side of things, just day to day, month to month. What is that relationship like? What kind of stuff are you doing for your your customers? Well, somebody once uh, said, "Is you know, what's how could you actually say uh, 
putting a couple of words about what your job really is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard a guy, another agent saying, we're just glorified babysitters. And I quite liked that myself. No, look, for us, we we try and help the players to take their mind off anything that's out with the pitch. Mm -hmm. All we want them to do is be fit, eat correctly, do their, do their business on the pitch, and we'll do everything off, off the pitch. And yeah. for that, that could be anything from uh, helping them arrange house, helping them arrange their mortgages, yeah. Uh, the financial services part's a big mm -hmm. thing. Helping them settle in when they move to another, a new country. Yeah. Um, helping them with their holidays. Mm -hmm. Helping them with introductions to people who maybe buy a car. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's the whole off-field yeah. experience that we we take away from. We only want them to concentrate what they're good at. Yeah. Which is yeah. kicking the ball around the park. And take everything else away. Take the rest yeah. away. Take the pressures off them. Yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose the, a question that I'd get asked a lot when I said you were coming on a lot of people had said to me from an agent's point of view is it as it looks in the sense of there's just so much money to be made or does that not really tell the tale of every deal isn't like that every deal isn't like a Paul Pogba or, or somebody that's going to get 25-30 million as a signing on <laughs> fee but you'll know obviously from your side I'd imagine there's a lot more that are nowhere near that, that sort of level for, for you trying to earn a living let me tell you, everybody only only sees that big headline, mm -hmm. and they only want to see the Pogba deal, and yeah. they only want to see the uh, Mina Riola and the thirty million. And I can understand that, mm -hmm. but there's guys who are really young agents who are really putting their time and effort out in there, mm -hmm. and they might not even earn any money in a year or two. Yeah, they're building it up, and mm -hmm. they're putting so much time in it. Uh, there's agents that are only earning twenty and thirty thousand a year. There's yeah. some that go into it for three years and don't make a penny and and finish. Yeah, so. That's the side that the public mm -hmm. don't see. It's not all glitz and glamour, I have yeah. to tell you. And do you think that's... Obviously, there's a lot of people out there who want to be football agents, and a lot of them will be for the right reasons, but is there an element of people who think it is just, I'll come in and make X amount of money and, and retire in five years? It's, it's that <laughs> simple. But do, do you see that from your side? Do you get a lot of people? I've been that? doing it for 27 years. I'm still not retired. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for sure. There's a the perception uh, of people saying, do you know what? I'm just going to, I think I'll leave my job, yeah. become a football agent mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, lying on the beach in Barbados in right. five years from now. And let, tell me, let me tell you, that just doesn't happen that way. Right. Because the, the thing that, that I always wonder is, obviously there's these massive deals, but there's so many agents out there and there's not a lot of the players out there that command those kind of monster transfers. So there, there must be an element of making sure you've got a kind of stable of footballers that you can kind of consistently manage but from your point of view how hard is it competing with other agents out there is, is it a case of you're constantly having to be out there kind of pitching yourself to get players in or do players come to you based on your reputation how does that work yeah it's an interesting question for me you're only as good as your last deal that you know if mm -hmm. you don't do the job correctly for the players mm -hmm. then they'll move to other agents yeah. so you have to be on the ball on a regular basis mm -hmm. it's not the type of job you can sit back and relax that's yeah. for sure but uh, probably the hardest thing is trying to establish yourself. Yeah. And the hard, hardest thing, Gary, is trying to get those first few players. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you do the job correctly for them, they'll recommend you to the guys in their dressing room. That's the, the biggest and easiest way to get new business yeah. or new clients yeah. is recommendations. And if you do the job transparently and honestly and as mm -hmm. best you can, when he's sitting next to his, his mate in the dressing room saying, I'm thinking about an agent, then your name should come up. Yeah, and you're getting that word of mouth. And I suppose from that point of view, you've dealt with a lot of big players in Scotland and, and outside Scotland over the years, but from your point of view, has player behaviour changed in the last kind of 15, 20 years or is it still those kind of staple things that, that remain for a player? Basics, basic Aye. desire. Yeah. If people say, how does that player make it? And that player didn't make it. He was much better than him. Yeah. For me, it's about the desire. When mm -hmm. I look, when I meet a new player, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times I can say I think he's got a better chance than others because yeah. because they're just it's inbred in them. They just want this to be a footballer, mm -hmm. and uh, you can see it quite a lot more than others. Yeah, and see when you're potentially taking somebody on, I'd imagine there's been occasions where we'll talk about players kind of not having a desire, but there might be somebody that's not right for you as a client. But from your point of view. What criteria do you have before you would take somebody on? What do you look for in that player? 
before you would bring them in to be Dep- part of your stable? Depends on what level he's at. Yeah. You know, uh, you know like for instance, I've got some young kids that we're, we're involved with who, again, at age 15, 16, 17, and we're looking for how well, how they adapt themselves, how mm-hmm. they work out, how they play in the pitch, what their, what their desire yeah. is. The kind of background I've got, there's a lot of assumptions there that you have to be taking. And of course, if we're getting introduced to an international player, mm-hmm. you know, no many agents would knock back a, an international yeah. player, if that makes sense. Yeah. Have you though? <laughs> I've had one or two that I've had one or two that I, I didn't really like, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but that's in any business. Yeah. In any business in life, you know, there's some people that you work with that you like, some you don't. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose and it's one of those things where you're not going to get on with every single player. No. Or every single you could work in an office with two hundred people, you're not gonna like no way. All of them. No chance. No, I understand that. Um probably a key thing and it's something that I ask everybody that comes on. From from your point of view, what is your kind of main main high points been, and any kind of low points, and probably any learning you've took from both, looking at the kind of top end of the scale and the bottom end of the scale. And the high points, uh, for, uh, probably when you see a player, this is probably the best part. I like when a player mm-hmm. that you've taken from maybe age fifteen or sixteen, yeah, and then you see him making it to the first team, right. and then maybe becoming captain, and then maybe playing for his country or scoring a hat-trick for a first team. Those are the real, mm-hmm. that's a, a regular high, a high point that you're saying to yourself, wow, that was great because you didn't score the goals or whatever, Aye. but you Aye. maybe were a, a part of that journey. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really, a really good thing about the job that yeah. I love, you know. Yeah. It's been able to go that journey with these players mm-hmm. and the high points are when they're there at their, their highs yeah. maybe and you're, you're there beside them. Yeah. And we have had many that we've taken from age 15, 16, mm-hmm. right through to that are now still involved with us, they're yeah. still doing business with us at, yeah. at different levels. Uh-huh. Because a lot of them become coaches or become yeah. come into the industry. So we've been in it that long that our coaches' sons are now Aye. becoming players. Generations. <laughs> <laughs> We're going through our coaches' sons. Are, oh, my son's playing, can you take him on? You know? <laughs> but then that's good as well for you because it keeps that, that custom going through generations and there's probably no bigger trust element than that than you having somebody their full career and then their son or their daughter or whatever, they would then recommend them to come to you as well. Definitely. Massive. That's something, something we're proud of, you know. Yeah, massive. Yeah, but a family business, and then it being a family business, uh, people relate to us more. We're sort mm-hmm. of a bespoke business. Yeah. But with the world reach, because yeah. we've, got, we've got clients all around the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, people, um, I think, buy into that. Yeah. A genuine situation of being a family business. Definitely, 100%. And the, the part that nobody likes, the, the kind of low points, or is there any... Any kind of setbacks that you had that made you kind of not doubt what you were doing, but made you kind of think, is this the right industry I'm in, or is this is this for me basically? But it could be anything. Nah, I've had many a situation where you're thinking to yourself, what happened there? You know, right. that, that this is the type of industry where you get more knockbacks than than you get at results. Let mm-hmm. me tell you, it's mm-hmm. a numbers game, and uh, you might have a player that you take to. 20 clubs and you're nothing's, nothing's happening and, and then the 21st club take the player. Right. Uh, there's many occasions where you're working with a player all around the world and you're spending all that time, effort and money and he doesn't get to the heights that you thought he would. Yeah. So there's lots of, lots of, lot of rejection in the business mm-hmm. and that's why so many people don't make it. But low points, I've, I've had, I've had lots of low points in, in the, in the industry. Mm-hmm. I, but for me, I was just dust it down and move on and think, right, where's the next bit of business yeah. coming from or where's the next new player or the next new club I'm going to deal with? Because mm-hmm. have you thought about the amount of knockbacks you get or the yeah. amount of players that don't come to play mm-hmm. with you or clubs that don't want to deal with you mm-hmm. or deals that fall through, then you couldn't do this business. Yeah. And did you find that as easy to deal with at the start as well? If you maybe had kind of rejections and things like that for players, no, I didn't actually. At the beginning, you know, when I was getting rejection, it was mm-hmm. I had to educate myself that yeah. okay, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. So as I said, dust yourself down, move on. It wasn't easy, mm-hmm. but it's a big thing that when we're teaching people mm-hmm. is to say, right, okay, as long as you're doing the job correctly, yeah, and you're putting in the time and the effort, and mm-hmm. you've got the right education, mm-hmm. and you've got the desire, yeah, yeah. then it's, you should come through at the other end. And that that kind of leads us into part of what you're doing just now as well. So you've got the John Viola Academy. Yeah. So for anyone, and actually I've had people, as soon as I said you were coming on, I had loads of people asking about his course. 
want to find out a wee bit more about it. So from yourself directly, for anybody who's maybe thinking about it or is maybe looking into that industry as a potential career, what would what would you say the course would do for them? What kind of base would it provide? That's an interesting question because we, I get asked it regularly because it's something that we started and I say there's myself and my partner Phil mm-hmm. who happens to be my nephew yeah. and my son works with us and my cousins to save our family <laughs> business, all agents. Uh, and what happened was about five years, nearly five years ago, mm-hmm. um, the FIFA regulation rules mm-hmm. changed about becoming a football agent. Yep. Uh, and when I started, uh, way back, back 20, nearly 27 years ago, you mm-hmm. had to give FIFA a £100,000 bond uh, just to become just to become an, an agent, agent. and look a hundred thousand pound 27 years ago i'm still trying to work out where <laughs> i got it from i know that I, I know that i borrowed money from my family i sold a flat i sold a car uh, i borrowed money for a couple of friends because i thought well now this can work yeah. but they gave you back after five years right, as long okay. as you didn't do anything wrong right so they've changed all these rules yeah. there was tests changed them all mm-hmm. you had to get a test with your with your local football association right. so they just scrapped all the rules right, okay and basically says, right, it's for free for all who wants to become right. an agent. So the whole world wants to become knowledge. an agent, <laughs> but they've not got the knowledge Aye. and they just don't understand what the job's all about. And so many people are saying, well, I want to be an agent. Tell me about it. How mm-hmm. do you do it? They thought, why don't we write a wee course? And we actually wrote it for a bit of fun at mm-hmm. first. Aye. You know, we sit down and wrote, right, what's this job all about? Aye. You know, how do you recruit players? You know, how do you deal with clubs? You know, how do you identify a player? You know, how do you deal with the press? What about visas? We could go on and on and on. Then we started to write more and more. And after about six months, we had this 16 module course about how to become a football agent. We put it out there and it's just blossomed into something mm-hmm. we wouldn't believe. So uh, we're, we're doing this course worldwide mm-hmm. uh, from weird and wonderful places. Uh, we've got people in Afghanistan, Australia, Saudi Arabia, all over the UK. Right even in sunny parts of Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> and what this, the course basically is there to teach them what the job is all about. Not from the academic side. We've got mm-hmm. an academic department as well. Mm-hmm. But from uh, the what the really what the job's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, once people do that course, they go, right, the penny right. drops. Now right. I know what the job's all about. Right. And then after that, they're basically making a decision, oh, yes, this is for me, or, you know, mm-hmm. at least I understand what the job's all about. And see from that, if you were, if somebody was coming in and, and doing the course and they, they come through the course and they, they get their degree. It's from, not a degree in the first, the first one. It's just the, the course. It's just the an, on, it's an online 16 module, a right. uh, basic course that tells mm-hmm. you uh, from starting it, how you identify yeah. a, right, a, a okay. player right through to the, what we think, how you do a deal. Yeah, right, okay. So so when you get to that point or you, you come through it all and you're happy and that's what you want to do, what would then be the next step for that person? How would they go from having that knowledge and, and that base to, I want to get myself out there and maybe start getting some players and, and get into that sort of arena because it must be saturated. No, well, some some people have done the course, our course, and away and got jobs from it. Yeah. Um, because of uh, the recognition about who we are and how long we've been in the industry, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but we don't say to people, you know, do a 16-module course and you're signing up by yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> that, that ain't happening. Yeah. You know, this is a very difficult job and yeah. it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm-hmm. So basically the course gives you the, the fundamental uh, base about how to become an agent. Mm-hmm. And then from then on in, we have two two areas that we teach and we continue on continued professional development by mm-hmm. mentoring them. Yep. And then we have ment- a mentoring system. Mm-hmm. Like, for, for instance, tomorrow we have an eight-week mentoring program that uh, goes on once a week where we teach people online live how to do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also have private mentoring. Okay. And then we have an educational side where we're the first people in the world and the only people yeah. to write a master's degree and an MBA uh, with a professor called Professor Vincent English from okay. Cambridge University. Right. And that's been going now for about 18 months and we're extremely proud of that. So yeah. we've got the whole package of yeah. it to try to teach people how to become a football mm-hmm. agent. And as I say, it started off with a wee, you know, like mum will write a few things about being an agent and we've got thousands of students all over the world. It's went absolutely crazy. I suppose, but it then goes back to that. When you're younger and you are going down the kind of, you always start off to be a football player, then maybe a football manager, but then you get to the other points, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I could be an agent, but that course is your perfect scenario because it then 
probably gives people a reality check as well of it isn't as easy as going and getting a Ronaldo and you've got two clients and that's you, you can sit on <laughs> the beach for the rest of your year. Yeah. It's obviously the other logistics of going behind sure. finding a player and all these different things. So I'm, I'm not surprised there's been a massive turnout. Even that, I only put it up the other day and I must have got about 20 posts of people saying, oh, I'm, I'm interested in that course. And I haven't put the website or anything on it. I just put John Viola's coming on the podcast. So there must be people that are just everywhere that are keen to to go and do it, but it's good that they can go and get that grounding and it's not a, here's just one course to go and look at, it's a full-on development, as you say, it's, it's a, a continuous programme. It's a, it's a pathway. You know, there, there are some other courses that some people have followed or lead and, and, and said, well, I'd like to, they have wrote courses as mm-hmm. well, but we pride ourselves in taking people from from the, the, the cradle, I'd like to grave, if you yeah. like, uh, in terms of <laughs> uh, being a football agent, right from here to here. Right. And we've done it, and we're proud that they've done it. And there's, there's guys that we're taking who are doing business in the Premier League who came right. and said, right, I want to be a football agent. I'll take me in the course. Mm-hmm. And from the course, are now doing business in the Premier League. And that's that's something that that's we're, we're extremely proud of. Right. And again, not people that you would think, oh, look, this is, that, that fall into the category of, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, we've actually got a doctor, a doctor who... Who's doing the course as well. Who's done the course and been mentored. He's still a doctor. right. And he's doing. He's an agent as well. It's 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 great. You know, he's he's uh, helping people with the with the COVID situation. And then he's phoning us at night saying, "Oh, I've just seen a great young player. He's in <laughs> London." So we wrote a, it, actually the Daily Mirror. Gary wrote a story about. Right. Uh, he's named Baba Tunde Elliot, and it's a great story about how he spends three days as a doctor and three days as a. Uh, three days as a football agent or four and three are depending. That's a glutton for punishment, surely. <laughs> a doctor and that, that's a 90, 100 hour week there. <laughs> Easy. But he's so enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, his, his two passions are being a doctor uh-huh. and being a football agent. And then he says, I've been dreaming of being a football agent for years. I saw this course, came onto the course, got mentored with mm-hmm. herself and he's now doing business with us. We were with him a couple of days ago in London. It's, it's amazing. But we've got many stories mm-hmm. like that. yeah. Different people. That's with different brilliant. people from from here in Glasgow. He's in London. We've got a guy in Dubai, mm-hmm. uh, a guy in Australia. We could go on and on and on. Uh, and it's been it's been great. It's been a great journey. That's amazing, absolutely amazing. And obviously, you had originally built your stable in, in Scotland and the UK, getting your players. But when did the when did the time come for you when you then started branching out further than that and going into kind of European or world players? What was the kind of moment where you realised that market was kind of opening up for you to get into? Yeah, that's quite interesting. I don't know the exact date, but I've been going quite a while when I started realising the whole world's not centred around Glasgow. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I thought, right, okay, I'll do some business in England and start mm-hmm. to get involved with English clubs and mm-hmm. then... People were saying, look, I've got a player, could you help me? Or I was going to sign a player up in France. Mm-hmm. Or, and then next thing I knew, I knew, we were bringing players from France and Spain. Mm-hmm. And then I just widened the, the, the net. And then we were doing business in the Middle East. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, next know I'm sitting in Shanghai. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, and then it just becomes a natural thing that we've been doing business worldwide. And people recommend you yeah. in all these different places. And it wasn't just like overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, we were dealing with players in England. Mm-hmm. And their pal was from Ghana. And he says, John's a decent guy or this yeah. company. And then... Next thing you know, you're in Ghana and, and recruiting players there, and and there's just there's everywhere that we're working. It's not like I said, right? Okay, you you work in the yeah. Scottish market, yeah. but we did start in the Scottish market and mm-hmm. then built ourselves up to uh, the top there, mm-hmm. and then we we moved into England, and then now now we could be anywhere we, we go and do business football, wherever uh, wherever the football is. That's we're there. And how's the the relationship with yourself and like clubs be it managers chairman whatever because again it's probably something that gets perceived as a negative sometimes because you hear about all these chairmen and they're like oh I hate agents don't want to deal with agents but that can't be the case on the whole because otherwise these players wouldn't get into clubs and introductions when they happen but for you how do you find that relationship between clubs and yourself? Just like any other business some some chairmen are really good with you and some don't treat you well or, or, no. or just treat you as you know your necessary evil mm-hmm. But the best ones, I think, are the ones that actually bring the agents into their fold because yeah. they're going to get the best players through these yeah. guys. The clever ones, mm-hmm. they get involved with agents. Yeah. And, and I've, I've been saying that. If somebody new takes over a club, go mm-hmm. and find good agents to deal with because mm-hmm. they'll bring you good players. Yeah. And we're like scouts for them, if you yeah. like. 
So there's some, it's like any other business, same again, some good and bad, but one wee story I can tell you about is a, a very famous uh, chairman in Scotland. Uh, mm. He was in a big, a big thing in the newspaper saying agents are terrible, they'll take money out of the game, blah, mm. blah, blah. And uh, the next morning I'm reading the paper. Man, it wasn't my name he mentioned, but I was reading the paper. Mm-hmm. And then my phone goes and it was that chairman saying, can you get me a striker, John? <laughs> and uh, that's something that like <laughs> you're saying to yourself, you know, he's, these people are giving us stuff, but then in the next hand they're saying I'm desperate for a striker, yeah, which me. I found, aye, which I found really funny. But that's part of the business. We seem to be the guys who get it and uh, the, the yeah. brunt of the the stick, which I can understand. But yeah. I'm teaching people and, and educating people that it's not all about mm-hmm. uh, the guys, the mean areolas up there, that are, and it's not all about the bad bad press. There are really fantastic, genuinely good, honest agents mm-hmm. out there doing a great job mm-hmm. for their players. Mm-hmm. Now, if you sit with a lot of players, a lot of them will tell you, yep, my, my guy's doing a, a real yeah. good, honest job for you. Mm-hmm. But the papers don't print that. Yeah, it's not going to sell papers. No, it's not going to sell no. papers. That, that, no. You know, that John Viola's just done a, a drove all the way to Birmingham and done a deal for nothing for somebody because he's only a young kid. Aye. You know, and we've I've done that, you know, drove Aye. back home and not earned a penny, but the boy settled and he's mm. done. Yeah, that, didn't, that wasn't in the daily record the next Aye. day, if that makes sense. Aye, no, it's, it's not going to... Nobody's going to buy that headline, are they? <laughs> John travels to save somebody or German hates agent. It's, no, I know exactly what you that's, mean. That, that's par for the course. But as I said, there is real, some fantastic uh, people in the industry mm-hmm. who are doing a fantastic job. Just to say, I, I just don't think the education's there yeah. enough for people to see because they're only seeing the bad things. Yeah, and I suppose, see, see on the the side of your Riolas, etc., and they are taking monster fees for their clients from your point of view obviously being in that industry and looking at that do you feel the fees justify the work that they guys do based on that level of player or, or do you think it's just uh, some parts of the market are just crazy for, for those kind of levels that's a good word it's crazy Aye. you know for getting whatever he got for that I can't remember the figure 30 like, million or something 30 million 30 million but here's the thing Manchester United wanted a player so they've paid them. Aye. It's a commercial decision. Aye. If you don't want the player, you don't you don't pay the money. Aye. So in any other business, any other business, if they said that Rod Stewart was getting uh, twenty five million for doing a gig somewhere, and nobody would be complaining Aye. about that, would they? Aye. Or or if somebody was getting twenty five million for for doing a deal that's in another business, nobody would complain about it because it's football. But I understand because it's a people's business, Aye. and they're saying, "No, oh, I'm part of this." Mm-hmm. You know, especially Aye. what's happened recently. So I, under, I, under, I understand the negativity, mm-hmm. but again, that's only a, a a very, very minute amount mm-hmm. of people that are doing those deals. Aye, and I suppose, as you say, it's, if the club are willing to meet the number, then you're not going to say, no, don't pay me that. You, you, you're going to take the, if you're saying, right, here's the, the number, take it or leave it, and if the club take it, you're not then going to turn around and go, I don't want paid. <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it, to your, no, your line of work? Definitely. The club wanted the player. The club right. wanted to pay that. They had to pay that money to get the player. Mm-hmm. They've, made that, they've made that decision. They didn't just make that overnight. They've no. sat around board and right. said, right, okay, we're going to have to give this guy 25 million or 30 mm-hmm. million. But we're, we've got a class player that's going to maybe win as a league. Aye, that's it. And the share prices are going to go up and we're going to get an extra 100 million because we've Aye. won the league. Aye, the so that, that, that might have been the, what the, the motivation was. You don't know about that in the background. No, definitely. And I suppose it's, because back to that, they might pay thirty million, but as you say, they might get four hundred million in in TV yeah, deals. So shirts right away sell so much. They sell so many shirts. They get TV. The TV deal helps. Aye. They might win the league because they're bringing that player. Mm-hmm. So they've they've made a calculated decision to pay aye. that agent that money. Aye. But as I said, Gary, that only happens. You, you, see the amount of times people ask me about me and the Riola. They don't. <laughs> they never ask me. What about the wee guy that's been in the business for two <laughs> years? You know that's sitting and he's, you know, and he's breaking down in his mm-hmm. car and he's borrowing money for his mum because he's desperate to get into yeah. this industry. Yeah, nobody talks about the guys. But that's that's what the press pigeonhole as well. It's that one guy, but that one guy is all agents. It's based on they're all taking twenty million. <laughs> that would be great. Million. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's the thing. Twenty million out every day. That would be <laughs> brilliant. I'd be trying to reach you in a mansion just now, rather than sitting in here with everybody. Um, <laughs> Something else that someone had had sent in was, obviously you must get a lot of players wanting to be represented by you and you, you'll get the issue of a player might not be good enough for, or you'll know yourself, I don't think you're going to hit the heights, but 
is that a conversation from your point of view that gets any easier over time or is it always a, a difficult chat between you and a, a potential player to kind of break that to them? It's not really because there's a there's a level for every player, for right. every agent. Yeah. So players will go to make Mina Viola at that level. Mm-hmm. Then we'll come to John Viola at this level. Yeah. That sounds the same, doesn't it? Viola, Viola. <laughs> and then they might say, you know, they might come to me and I say, look, you know what, you know for me just now, but mm-hmm. there's a guy here I think that would do a great job for you mm-hmm. at that at that stage. Mm-hmm. So in every there's a there's a the player for the for every agent. Yeah. And there's an agent for every player at different levels. Mm-hmm. And the player can move up. And yeah. the and the agent can move up. Yeah. You know, that I've seen I've seen that happen. Aye. And see now, how do you find that with obviously wages, etc. It's a different playing field now as it as it was years ago. But do you are you of the mind that obviously again it comes back to that agent thing, if the club are willing to pay it, the player would take it? Or do you think there is players out there that have looked at other players and think, well, I should be getting sixty, seventy grand but they're, they're not at that level and finding that kind of disparity between, as you said, like levels with players, but some players will always think they're, they're away up there when in reality they're kind of midpoint. But how does that kind of work from your and, side? In dressing rooms, there's definitely going to be. You've got no. 15 players sitting after a game and they're thinking, well, but now I'm an international mm-hmm. and this new guy's came in from abroad and he's getting double the money and I've been at the club for five years and no. he's just walked in the door. That's always going to be no. there. You can't, you, you, you can't change that. No. And there will always be people who think they're better than Aye. others. Aye. And that's going to be always be a problem in a dressing room. Mm-hmm. But nothing we can do about that. Right. Right. No, it's just one of them. Because I was always curious of agents getting calls for their players going, oh, I'm only on X amount. I need to be getting paid X, Y, and Z. And you're then sitting going, how am I supposed to tell well, this you agree player a contract, that- if you came to me today, Gary, and says, oh, wait, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a better player. Mm-hmm. That's great because you either get a move or you'll get a bigger contract at the club. You're at, your mm-hmm. time will come. Yeah. But you can't have been running in. Have you agreed a contract? And I say that, my players, if, if you've agreed a contract, I can't be running away at the chairman and, and Aye. saying, give him a bigger contract right now and you don't, you, you know, you agreed a four or five year deal, Aye. which you were happy at the time. Mm-hmm. Just because maybe somebody else has come in or you think you're better. But a lot of clubs, do come to you and say, okay, Gary, you've done really well. Mm-hmm. We want to give you an extra couple of years. We'll mm-hmm. give you more money. And you're rewarded mm-hmm. if you do the job on the pitch. I suppose you must get chairman telling you to F off as well. You, you try and phone them early doors for a contract. And I've, like, I've, no. had, I've, had, I've had everything from every chairman and every every <laughs> sports director. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but they always come back to you when, the, when, when they, they, they need the product right. that you've got, which is the good player. Well, that's the thing. is You said it yourself with the press report. As, as much as... They will say agents or don't need them, blah, blah, blah. As soon as they need a player, who else are they going to phone? But they'll come back to you going, no, I need a striker, or I need a midfielder. What can you do for me? And you're expected to just go, all right, okay, no worries. Bear in mind the last conversation we had, but I'll get that sorted out for you. <laughs> but as a business, I don't, I, don't, I don't get worried or concerned about the criticism mm-hmm. uh, because I know what the job's all about. Yeah. I know that some... Chairman will come to you and give you a wee bit of stick. And mm-hmm. I've had that before. Mm-hmm. Some might, you very rarely get praise from them because they're Aye. scared to praise Aye. agents. But privately they do. You know, privately they'll do. That, that's, that's a great job you've done, John. Mm-hmm. You've brought us a great player. We're really happy. We're mm-hmm. all happy with the contract. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, move forward and make the club go forward. You're part of it because you're welcome here because you've brought a great player. Yeah. So, you know, privately a lot yeah. of them uh, uh, really, uh, I mean, Look after you and, yeah. and you know, and say, right, okay, I'm happy for to have you in, in, in my club. So mm-hmm. for me, that's a part you don't see as well. Yeah. But it's difficult for a for a chairman to come out and say, oh, John, John's brought a player. He's a great guy, by the way, because <laughs> we're all bad guys. <laughs> I suppose you, I suppose in your line of work as well, there'll be chairman who'll be of rival clubs and you might be making deals to go to that other club and that chairman's going to be sitting going, well, that's going to affect my team here and it's that whole I can't be seen to be saying oh John's brilliant he's just signed two brilliant aye, players for definitely. X, Y and Z that's just cost us a league title especially in this city aye god you can't know, escape it here well and here when I'm, I'm doing business and especially in the past with, with both big, both the big clubs it's, you know you're, it's managing yeah uh, it's managing that situation you know have you have you found that situation easy to manage over the years or has there been points where it's been a bit of a nightmare 
I wouldn't use the word nightmare. You know, as I say, it has to be managed. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes if you you've got a really good player and both the clubs want the player, mm-hmm. then and that's happened more than one occasion. Uh, then you have to judge about what's right. But for me, it's not no no about me. Mm-hmm. It's not about where I, what I, I'm interested in. Yeah. If Gary's got a choice of two clubs, mm-hmm. Gary, who do you want to go? And for Aye. what reason? You go and meet the two of them. Aye. You go and see the facilities. You go and meet the coach. You mm-hmm. go and meet the chairman. Mm-hmm. Get a feel for the club. Yeah. You make a decision. I've never made a decision for a player ever. Aye. Have you had players that have tried to put it on you to be like, I, I can't make a choice here? I've had that. Aye. I've had that. What before. do you do? It? Do you just go back to them and say, look, you've you've looked here, you've looked there, you need to. I've had a, a few times where they, they just kind of do it. They mm-hmm. just they go, look, can you make that decision? Mm-hmm. And then I have I have said, well, okay, in my opinion, this is the right place for you yeah. because it's it's right for the training or mm-hmm. it might be the coach. I think the coach is really good or yeah. uh, or, or where they're coming to, the country they're coming yeah. to or whatever maybe. Mm-hmm. So I have I have helped make yeah. the decision, but only because they have asked. Yeah, yeah. All the time, my main thing is always, it's always the, first, the person that comes first in this industry mm-hmm. As a player, yeah. that's who I represent. Yeah, and for me, if he is talking about a talk to clubs, he makes a decision, mm-hmm. not me. You'll be get that feeling of dread if it's Celtic Rangers and you're waiting on that question coming. Of I, I don't know, <laughs> gonna get <you> back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, worst I've had nightmare. that before. Worst I've, had, nightmare. I've had that before. <laughs> um, I was I was curious around, obviously, be, being in this industry for. For twenty five years, and and looking back, knowing what you know now, and and been through all the experiences that you've been through, is there anything that you wish you were kind of armed with back then when you first started, from a, a knowledge point of view, that was definitely in good stead? I tell you, I wish I'd been armed with some put, putting on a course, mm-hmm. aye, because I was thrown in a deep end, aye, and I and made a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. um, and we all we still make mistakes yeah. as long as you learn from them. Mm-hmm. So we're we're trying to teach you people in our course coming back to that. I wish that was around right. then. Something right. like that. Right. There was absolutely nothing, zero, uh, up until years ago, up right. until we started this. So we were thrown in at the deep end, you mm. know. And you're in a situation of how do you recruit a player? Right. No, there was no manual. I you know, to you, had to, you had to go where and how do you identify a player? Mm. How how do you speak to clubs? What do you say? You know, how right. do you come about? Uh, the fortunate thing is I had some transferable skills being in the financial services business because mm-hmm. I dealt with people and dealt with high flying people. So I'd, I'd sort of a, was quite comfortable yeah. dealing with chairman and whatever. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I'd, I wish we had something the way we back then. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have made so many mistakes that we made. <laughs> I <laughs> there's plenty of them, I can tell you. <laughs> As you say, but everybody's made them. And see at that, see at the starting point, did you have, was there anybody that you kind of looked up to in that world or anybody that you... Kind of went to for advice at that in those early days on how you were kind of managing things or how to get the best out yourself. I tell you that there was there was a one or two actual the businessmen chairman that owned clubs, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I used to speak to to them for a wee bit of no mentorship to say, mm-hmm. well, look how we, how are you dealing with agents? Mm-hmm. What's the best way that you would want to them approach you? Yep. How how would you want a deal to be structured? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was one or two people that I, that I uh, had a good affinity with mm-hmm. and that, that helped me. Mm-hmm. And that was only through relationship building. Yeah. yeah I had to build relationships with good, with mm-hmm. good people and still, still dealing with a lot of these people. Yeah. You know? Best bit of advice you've ever got with somebody? I love asking people that question. That's a great question, by the way. Don't listen to everything that footballers tell you, you know. <laughs> That's why, no, seriously, like I said to me, don't listen because they tell you that, you know, they're the fastest and the, the strongest and whatever. I remember a, a chairman saying to you, you know, I've had so many players in here in front of me and if you listen to what you said, you would sign every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I took from that because players would come to you and say, oh, I, I'm this and I can do this mm-hmm. and whatever, and you have to do your own homework to make Aye. sure all oh, that's right. Aye. And I remember somebody telling me at the beginning, because at the beginning, at the beginning I was so excited to be mm-hmm. an agent, I was Aye. saying up anybody, mm-hmm. oh, we guys in the park, and <laughs> this guy that played for, you know, drum Chucky Rovers, and I'm, oh, hello, you're in my stable at the beginning. And then I quickly realised, wait, wait, no, you Aye. know, I, you know, it's quality you should be signing, and, mm-hmm. and players will tell you. And I remember a chairman saying that to me, you know, don't listen to everything they tell you, because, and quite rightly, a lot of them are enthusiastic about what they, but right. the day and they want to they want to break into becoming like yeah. either a professional player or play at the highest level. 
and you still get that now with the old YouTube video and you get a, you see a clip of somebody online and they look like a world beater for two minutes and then you go to a game and you're like, that can't be the same guy. <laughs> it's it's just a totally a different. But then you must get that as well. You must get videos sent to you from people going, oh, he's amazing. Watch Every this. day, especially my son. My son's my son's in Venezuela and he's amazing. My son's in Germany. He's just, my son's in Balanok and he's unbelievable. Really? Uh, but we, we, we've got enough uh, scouting network and mm. enough people that we know and there's enough... Uh, platforms that you can actually see how well how good a player is. Mm-hmm. It's completely changed when I started. Yeah, yeah. Now, if somebody gives me a player, I can go into three or four different platforms and have a Aye. look at them. Uh, and I'm not just talking about how good they are, how bad they are as well. Aye. There's different different websites Aye. you can go into, mm-hmm. and they do it, and it's and they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're showing you full games. Uh, so I say because in the past, maybe if somebody was sending you a video, mm-hmm. it was only of them scoring great Aye. goals and. Are doing great tackles, whatever. But now there's full games where you can see all the positioning mm-hmm. and good, bad, and indifferent. And see from that point of view, how much kind of due diligence do you do before you would take a player on? Like how much homework Massive. would you do on them? Massive. Really? Massive. We, we're in a situation if someone comes to us, we take up references, we watch them mm-hmm. through. We speak to scouts, we speak to people in our country. Mm-hmm. We uh, take a personal reference if we can. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Yeah. What type of person they are. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we, we look at all the videos we've got a, a wee team that analyse you know how much effort they're putting in a game we analyse you know the position in play we, we analyse everything that's involved mm-hmm. with becoming a footballer and then we sit down and say yep he definitely looks like somebody yeah. you would ever go at love that and I, I suppose it's, it's not just ability now it is as you say the whole personality of a player and, and how they are outside of football and because I suppose if that full package isn't there it still comes back to you as well, if that player's doing things off the pitch, or sure. it just all falls, as you say, the agent gets the blame. Yeah, anyway, all the time. You must get the calls at three in the morning and four in the morning. I got one last week, 25 past four in the morning, and I thought, I knew as soon as a call, something had happened, you know. <laughs> but that's part of the part and part of, part and parcel of the business. Aye. That's the part that people don't tell you. Yeah. You get a call at middle of the night that somebody's been, something's happened Aye. and you're having to control it or or whatever it may right. be. Nobody talks about them. No. Not about the agent having to get out of his bed. And do you ever get anything new that still surprises you or are you just no. like, no, no, see no, it all? No. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. If we're here at four in the morning, by the way, and we would need to get the video off, we'd need to turn the, the, the whole thing and <laughs> some of the crazy things that footballers have, have been up to, you know. So that, that, there was more questions from people that listen to the podcast, but another one that I wanted to ask just before we journey into them, I know we spoke about the course and, and the important stuff that that contains. But for for anyone, even if they get past that stage, they've done their courses, are ready to go out there. What kind of key bits of advice would you give to somebody making those starting blocks into becoming an agent from what you've experienced and, and how you've worked? One of the biggest things is that they have to be patient. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. You know, as you said before, come in and five years from now, you're lying on the beach. Aye. That ain't going to happen. Uh, they have to be patient. They have to be able to, for me, be able to uh, identify a player. It's a very, very first thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it needs to be as big as quality as you can yeah. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning, there's two main pillars that we talk about is identifying and recruiting a player mm-hmm. and then be able to have relationships with clubs. Mm-hmm. You need those two when you're starting in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can master those two, yeah. that's you starting mm-hmm. on the road to become an agent. Yeah, love that. I've got to ask, what was your first big deal? Like your first? You know, it's funny. I, 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 my first deal was we, and it was a, it was a bit of a wild situation, believe it or not. Uh, it was before I actually signed as an agent. Okay. And I took a player to Nottingham Forest. Right. And I was dealing with Brian Clough. This is, it, but it wasn't face to face. Right. Brian Clough was on holiday. Right. And I was dealing with his assistant and he was on the phone and he gave me dog abuse. <laughs> <laughs> because the agents are like, what, what's, what's an agent? What's, what, you want an agent, son? You know, mm-hmm. you don't need agents. <laughs> and then you need to speak to him. And then he came on the phone and he gave me a wee bit of, a wee bit of verbal. And it was a, it was quite interesting. The deal, the deal got done. And that mm-hmm. was a way back in, that was 1992. When they, just the year the Premier League started. Right, okay. That was my first my first deal. Brian Clough as well. And Brian Clough, what, what an opening that was. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't even have picked up the phone. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, when they said that I was dealing with assistant manager and he was really nice mm-hmm. and he was like, great, you're here to support the boy. Aye. The boy needs somebody because mm-hmm. he's not got a clue. 
came from Scotland and right. it was a big massive move mm -hmm. and he's saying you know that he was like, he was supporting it Aye. he says but I'm not so sure but Brian will say about this so we get Brian on the phone and as I said to give me give me a bit of a bit of a bollocking it was the what do you need agents for <laughs> and all that shouting down the phone and but eventually we came to an agreement and we got it all sorted I'd have been like, oh, no. <laughs> right, that's like a living legend, isn't it, at that point as well? It was. than life. No, mega. At the time, it, again, I knew he wouldn't have, wasn't coming to the meeting because mm -hmm. I knew he was abroad. Right. But I didn't think I'd get to actually speak to him. Right. Uh, and when I did, it was... Uh, so I've never met the man, but Aye. I spoke to him on the phone. Still get that fear factor over the phone, Phil? I tell you, but when, when I see him, when I see him, it brings back the flash, the memory flashes back when I see something on the telly, but the memory flashes back about <laughs> shouting about doing the phone. <laughs> Oh man, that would have that would have probably ended most people as an agent. They'd be like, "Nah, I don't need this. Don't need this life at all." Um, loads of questions in for people. Obviously, football daft city people were like, "Oh, John Viola, that's X, Y, and Z agent." I want to know about X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, "Right, I don't know how much of this he's going to be able to talk about, but I'll ask." Um, somebody had spoke about. John Hartson, because obviously John Hartson was, was supposed to go to Rangers, didn't go to Rangers, and had asked, obviously, from your point of view, what what was your kind of feeling on that whole scenario? Did you see it coming, or was it just one of those kind of medicals that threw up a, something untoward that nobody really knew was going to happen? Never seen it coming. No. And it was it was uh, devastating for both John and myself at that mm -hmm. time. Uh, just, he went for the medical, and, and they... It didn't happen for him. Mm -hmm. But yet, he went on to Celtic and had an unbelievable career right. at Celtic. And that, that, I suppose that's the thing. See, at that point, were Celtic always interested in him or did that come after the whole medical situation or were the two of them kind of battling it? I don't know because I wasn't representing him for Celtic. I was only I only the job to take him to, to mm -hmm. Rangers at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you spoke to John Hartson, he'd probably be saying it was, it was the best decision ever because he's had a, a, an unbelievable Aye. time of it after it with Celtic. Aye, definitely. And Aye. it just shows you that, that you know, that when it comes to medicals, Aye. that some people have different opinions. You mm -hmm. know, at that, that time, they weren't they weren't happy with whatever it was that they saw, mm -hmm. that they couldn't sign them. Mm -hmm. Aye, but when they went to Celtic, they, they said, no, we, we think this is okay. And, and sure enough, we went on to have a, 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 a rest of his career, which was brilliant. And I take it from your point of view, that must be horrific in the sense of you've got everything else done and then something comes back for one of these medicals and you're like, game's a ball, you know? And that's happened before and it's not, it's not, it's not Aye. very nice, especially if you're a lot of cases you put a lot of time into, mm -hmm. into trying to get something done and then it falls through with, with the medical. But it's not just the fact for you, it's more for the player because then he's tarnished with a problem yeah. that, that, that he's got a bad knee or he's tarnished mm -hmm. with, why did he not sign for that club? Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for you then yeah. to move them to somewhere else because they're they're doing even more stringent yeah. uh, medical when they go somewhere else or there's a negativity about trying to move them because they say well his medical fell through mm -hmm. and and it's not it's, it's terrible for the player yeah and that's happened no, several times to, to I, me. I remember at the time seeing that obviously Hartson was devastated but as you say you go to another club past the medical and score hundreds of goals there you go it's, it's bonkers see when you get the kind of you maybe get some players that are kind of like water off a duck's back, but see, as a from you seeing it from the agent side, does that get to the players when they know the fans are unhappy and they're kind of definitely, aye. definitely. Mm. I mean, I know players who who look at something on Twitter and go, oh, "No, they're not giving me stick again or aye. whatever." Of course, they're, they're, they're people. Aye. It's natural. Aye. There are other players who maybe just say, "Look, you know what? Mm. You know, this is a short career. I've just got to go on, mate. I'll go and do what I've got to do." And, and can can ride the storm, mm -hmm. but there are people you know who really really have yeah. problems, especially in the current climate. Yeah, where you know they can directly attack them through their, their Facebook or mm -hmm. Twitter or yeah. whatever it might be, and as we know, there's been lots of problems with that recently, especially mental health or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 going back, didn't he really have that as bad as bad yeah. then? You know, okay, you might see people complaining on. On the radio or aye, something, you know, aye, shouting for a couple aye, of minutes or whatever. In. The phone in. <laughs> the, yeah, that was probably your maximum at that time. Definitely. Aye. So it's changed days now where they can obviously directly attack uh, players. And uh, of course, I don't like their people. They're aye. normal people. Aye. That's the thing. And maybe maybe the, the punters don't see them as normal people. Aye, aye that's it. It's as if they're kind of they're robots, you know, yep, have feelings sure. and things like that. And sure. you should stay in the one place for 15 years. And Definitely. Another one that came in was 
has there ever been a player that you could have had but for whatever reason didn't take on and you've you've kind of looked back on it and went definitely really <laughs> I was just talking about this the other day I'll not name the player but uh, I I missed out on a player and uh, and he ended up uh, becoming a Scottish international and then went to the Premier League and done ex- extremely well and uh I actually met him after right. I met him when he was at the top in the Premier League and, and he made a laugh. He says, I came to your office and, and the day for some reason it didn't we didn't go through or whatever. I can't remember exactly what happened. Right. And uh, it's one of the ones that I missed. Um, it was my mistake more than, than, than his, you know. Did, we had a laugh about it. Does it bother you though? Like, does it bother you at the time and then you kind of move on? No, we can't do anything about it. Aye. You know, I made a mistake. Aye. And, uh, and that's life. You just, you just move on to the next one. Aye. But we have missed players. I know that we, we, myself and Phil, went to, believe it or not, it's a true story, went to Brazil mm-hmm. uh, and on a recruitment drive right. with a, a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were in this office in Sao Paulo. Right. And the guy says, right, okay, I want you to bring all the Brazilians to the UK or Europe. That's mm-hmm. what your job is. He says, and today we're bringing in five or six young Brazilians to talk to them, yep. 16, 17. <laughs> it's a true story, by the way. He brought in two two players and the two of them were 17 and we wanted to sign them. Right. Because we'd seen them and we'd heard one and we just broke into the first team at Santos and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, that's the two. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew they were yeah, really I... good players. Eventually, they, they signed... We're a local agent right. rather than us mm-hmm. because we thought they would deal with us because of the international status yep. and the fact that we had access. And believe it or not, it was Rubinho and Kaka, the two of them, came into the office in the morning. <laughs> so that's another one when we seen him, we go, wow, what happened there? And it was, it was just till about three or four years later. And Phil says to me, these two boys. <laughs> Aye. He says, that's the two boys that came into the office that day in San Paulo. I went, ah, oh, Jesus. But there you go. That's wild. So if you're asking to be missing, that's two no bad ones to miss. That's like two end of question, isn't it? Jeez, Kaka mm. especially, wow. And that's the thing, a lot of the South American ones you see it and they've got like five, six agents and all sorts of companies and I remember the Tevez thing and there was all sorts of things behind that, but is that hard in some countries? Is there so many different areas and angles that players are involved with potentially? It's different in every every region and every country. I know that you know it's really difficult to do business in China, for for instance, mm-hmm. Brazil, uh, because just because there are so many agents attached yeah. attached to one player. Yeah, uh, every every country is different in, in every different way when you're doing business. Mm-hmm. But for us, we normally bring in a a partner abroad, yeah. a professional who knows the, the land, the lie of the land, mm-hmm. because getting into some countries and trying to do the business yourself is, right. is extremely difficult. Right. That's crazy. I can't get all that with you. No, well, don't keep going on about it, Gary. Yeah? <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to get him on next week. Talk about Rubinho <laughs> and Kaka. <laughs> um, do you remember? Obviously, without naming names, if you don't want to name names, the biggest deal you've done. The biggest deal. Um, I know. I, I can name it. The, the, the biggest deal I've done. I, I took a player called Christian Carimbu. Yep. From from Real Madrid to uh, to Middlesbrough, and that was a that was one of my biggest deal. That was my biggest deal, I think. How did that come about? I I had a I had a partner that I dealt with in France. Mm-hmm. Who used to look after Christian, right? And he basically said to me, "Look, uh, he's wanting out of Real Madrid, and he wants to come to England, and you've got the connections." And mm-hmm. we took it from there. That's unreal. So and I was I was with him just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He's now the sporting director at Olympiacos. That's, right. what he, that's what he's doing now. So he's somebody that we've done business with. Who's been into the, Aye, from then on. I went to the next part, and uh, we're we're continuing to do uh, business uh, with him at Olympiacos, which is brilliant. Such a random move as well for Real Madrid to Teesside. <laughs> <laughs> Such a change in weather. But we've got a funny <laughs> we've got a funny story about that because when I was just talking about this yesterday actually, you know, talk, spoke about that, that deal for ages. But he uh, when he came when he came off uh, the plane uh, to, to to look to sign mm-hmm. uh, myself and Brian Robson was the manager mm-hmm. at the time and the chief executive I can't remember his name and. We said, well, we'll take rather, take, rather than taking them straight to the stadium, mm-hmm. why don't we take them to a lovely quaint village near near Teesside Airport called Jarm? Right. I don't know if you've heard it, no. but it's a lovely village. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and when when we got there and um, we were sitting down, it was having lunch, and we thought, well, why don't we order a wee drink here just to have a to break the ice, you right. know? So we ordered a pint of Guinness. I'll never forget it, right? And uh, so we, me, Brian, and another boy ordered a pint of Guinness. I think or half pints of Guinness. I think that's what it was. And then Christian didn't know what Guinness was, <laughs> didn't he drink? But he ordered one as well, right? So we had he's having a wee drink and he's sipping away and he finished it and they uh, and he turns to me and says, John, this drink here, is this like a nutrition uh, herbal drink or something? Half <laughs> pint of Guinness and I was laughing my dad to this day he still talks about he doesn't drink and he still talks to this day about how when he was going to sign for Middlesbrough he's sitting having a half pint of Guinness for us, you know, didn't he? He thought it was something, you know, like a nutritional drink or something. It was funny. A protein shake. A protein shake or something like that. He never but he knows now, but he was laughing about that. We were talking about it last time we seen him. But he he signed a for a, for Middlesbrough and done extremely well. because that was the same time we were kind of like Alan Boxich and players right, like Boxage, that were that's coming right. in. Boxic signed the same time, the exact same thing. The Middlesbrough were paying uh, massive, massive Aye, money. That's right. The guy who owns it there is a guy called Steve Gibson, who's had the club for a right. long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Um, a lot of people were asking what your kind of thoughts are on the transfer windows, because uh, again, it's something that's changed over time. But from your point of view, is it easier knowing that you've got two windows to get business done, or did it become a hindrance to you to try and get deals done because you've only got that small period of time? It's, more, it's a hindrance for me. Right. I would rather have that you could do the business every week. Right. It's a right. restricted. The people, some people argue it's a bit restrictive of trade because, you know, they've stopped us doing business between mm-hmm. certain windows. But what a lot of people don't realise is everybody only talks about the, uh, the European market from June to August. Yeah. But there's windows open throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You know, you go yeah. to the MLS at a certain period, then you go to Russia to do business, yeah. then you go to the Far East, you can do business uh, out with June, uh, yeah. June to August. So if you've got it, if you know the, if you know the business, and this is something we teach people, mm-hmm. there are markets open throughout the whole year, so yeah. you can actually do business throughout the whole year if yeah. you're doing worldwide business. Yeah, so it goes back, I think it's only the fans that like the whole Sky Transfer window and everybody <laughs> else seems to be like, get that away. But most clubs... Most clubs, if you speak to them, would rather have it that they could do business through yeah. it if you speak to them in general. You know them all, yeah. but most of them. Do you think that then leads to clubs paying over the odds because they've only got X amount of hours and they've got to get three or four players in and Sometimes. they then just start Sometimes. spending money? Right. Sometimes. never fails to amaze me that why clubs have to wait to the last day. Aye. When if they've, if they've done their job correctly, they should be signing them in the 1st of June or mm-hmm. in this case the 9th of June coming up or yeah. whatever it may be. But then, of course, there's other clubs that wait to find bargains. There's lots of, you know, you, yeah. lots of clubs that do it in different different ways, different manners. Mm-hmm. And I can't, can't have you on and no ask you about the world of transfer fees because, again, that's a, a topic that I got fired into me when we were um, arranging an interview. But I suppose from a from your, your average fan will say transfer fees are wild. And... From a business point of view, obviously that that's your livelihood, and you look at it from that point of view. But how do you find the whole transfer fee? Because when you first came in, obviously you had then like million pound players, and that was massive at that point. Whereas now you talk about players just now, and they're saying, "Oh, anything over a hundred million." I mean, you hear that figure, and you're like, "What? Is, what even is that?" But from your industry, how do you feel about it? Well, I'm probably wondering once a wee bit different to think it's crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Other agents think it's great because it's, it bolsters what they're earning. But Aye. I'm a fan as well. Remember, Aye. you know, Aye. I I go to, when I when I finish my job or, or a day, I go and watch football, and mm-hmm. I go and sit and you know and watch watch a game exact same as you. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that the the, the, the transfers visa went through the roof and mm-hmm. crazy because a lot of, it's it's difficult for a lot of the smaller clubs. And it's yeah. only the, it's only the big ones that can actually pay it and benefit from mm-hmm. that. So. Probably you won't find an agent saying that, but that's that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's uh, the way I see it. And I, I suppose it affects agents as well, though, because if you're if you've maybe got a player that you're trying to get a move elsewhere, and that club are saying you might value him at ten million, but we want twenty for him, it then puts you in a position of what do you do with that player? Because if you can't get that money in, the player's stuck there, and it happens. It, it, it happens where, where the clubs overprice a player. Aye. that happens regular. I suppose that doesn't help the chairman agent. No, that's, that's a, definitely. <laughs> the best I want. I'm wanting to move, but he doesn't want to let him go. Aye. And we're in that 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 negative situation. That no man's ground. Aye. 
with that, I, you know, I'd actually read an interview that you'd done and you were talking about the Lee McCulloch transfer and that was the whole, because I remember that summer, because that went on for months and months and he was getting frozen out at Wigan and there was all sorts going on. But see, from your point of view, do you always think if we can uh, tell the player to sit tight, this will happen? Or is there points where you're sitting going, I don't know if this is going to... No, you do, get, you, you do get to a level where sometimes you said, you know what, we've tried every every Aye. angle, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nah, we've had that more than once. Aye. But for me, I'm representing the player. If he wants to get to that club, it's my job to try my best to get to get him there if I can. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the way I operate. The player comes first. If he says, take us to the last day, uh, to the last hour, I'm picking up the phone and saying, look, you sure you still don't want to take him? Then that's what my job is. That's a test of air for you as well, isn't it? Because if, also if you're saying, do you want me to do something? And they're like, no, just wait and see. Well, that's part of the job. Right. There's a lot of things. Right. There's, a, there's a lot of game gamesmanship in the mm-hmm. job as well, Gary. There's mm-hmm. a lot of to and fro and, right. and, and well, you see that you see that part in the papers. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, that bit is probably the general public understand. Right. So there's a lot of that going on in the, behind the scenes. Right. And that's the thing, like, the, the amazing thing about this interview, it's even just getting that that insight of you do pick up a paper and you might see a quote, but then the reality of it is far different from what you're reading. Like when you're saying about the chairman slaughtering agents and then you're you're on the phone to him while you're reading that. that, that I, was reading it, I was reading it a daily record, I'll never forget it. <laughs> In fact, my, my, my secretary was there to bring me a coffee or something uh, and she she didn't really know anything about football right. anyway, which was great. Right. Uh, but even she picked up on that. She says, is that not a guy that I've just put through to you that was this, that's getting everybody stick? So the point I'm making is that that's the part in the background that you, you, you don't see. That's amazing. Right, okay. So East End Boy. Yes. From Easterhouse. Um, Balanox, just down the road. That's right. Across the road. Have you not used to fight you guys? No? <laughs> I probably just used to run. To be fair. <laughs> um, I suppose that the thing that a lot of people will ask and the thing that you must get a lot is how does a guy go from being from Easterhouse to becoming a successful agent, putting deals with Christian Carambo through, working with Lewis Vigo, having a chance of signing Robinho and Kaka. How does that how does that actually happen? And that's not to that's not to cause offence to anybody from that part of the world, because I'm for that part of the world, you're for that part of the world. That doesn't always happen a lot but from your point of view you've lived it so share your story on how how you feel it's happened well, well one of the biggest things is and I have to say just pure, pure hard work and that's, a, that's a massive thing that we, the effort that I've put in uh, from when I started in this but not, ju- not just I don't, not just starting in the football business you know I started in financial services before that mm-hmm. even before that believe it or not I worked in building sites mm-hmm. uh, I worked in a bar Aye. I worked in a community centre in Balanoc believe it or not I'd, uh, I'd done everything prior to getting into financial services and then mm-hmm. getting into the agents business and then seen the opportunity and worked really hard uh, done the job correctly mm-hmm. and met these wonderful people to do the business with them as, as my career progressed but one of the things is that Gary, if if doesn't matter where you come from, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you put all that effort in, and if you've got the will and the desire, you can get to the, the, the levels. And if a wee guy for Easter who's like me can make it, then I'm sure that the people that are either watching this podcast or listening to it can do it as well. One hundred percent. And I think it's good for people in areas like that to hear stories of people who have came came from there absolutely grafted and got themselves into a position where they can come on and, and talk about things like that and it makes that dream a wee bit more accessible for people because it's easy for somebody to come on that's kind of been there, done it, bought the t-shirt but haven't really came from an area where they've had to graft and, and fight to get to even a starting block, never mind sure. anything else but from your point of view I think it's good for people to hear that side of things To it wasn't just I came for here and I became an agent there was a full career before then and then you get into that point because it then tells people who are maybe doing one of those jobs doesn't it just end there you could go and do whatever you want to do you've just got to put the graft in to, to get it a lot of hard work but there's a lot of desire and, and for me it was always a desire to, to move on and different mm-hmm. things Aye. Uh, and as I say going away back from uh, leaving school in Easter House right to where, where we are the day there's mm-hmm. been a, a full journey Aye. Uh, and I've just small steps moved up moved, moved up moved up but it has been a lot of time and effort and sacrifice. Aye. But 
these guys can do it or these girls can do it mm-hmm. if they put if they if they put their mind to it. And that's one of the things that, that I'm passionate about about my our courses. Mm-hmm. When and I give you a wee example, a, a boy from Weymouth of all places came on and said, I, I really have I really have dreamt about becoming an agent. Mm-hmm. And he's only been doing it now just under under ten months. Uh, he's kept his job while he's doing this, while he's learning. Well, right. I'm personally mentoring him. Mm-hmm. He's only 23. Mm-hmm. He's done two deals abroad. He's dealt with a guy in the Premier League and he's signed up about four or five young players all around about his area. Right. He's going to make it. Right. And you know why? Because he's got the desire. Mm-hmm. And I could just tell on the phone, believe it or not, yeah. this, is, this is for me. Mm-hmm. I really want to try this. He'll believe in his job shortly and he'll right. begin into the agent's business full time. So, it's it's. I want to let people understand that that's accessible now, and mm-hmm. you can do it. It's not yeah. a, it's not a pipe dream. Yeah. It's something that you can get yourself into. And if it's not just through our course, I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about our course. I'm yeah. talking about don't think because you come from the east end of Glasgow or, or you're un, under privileged situation that you can't make it as a football agent. Mm-hmm. You can. Aye. I'm Love living that. dream. Love that. Before we finish, obviously. For anybody wanting to get involved in the course, etc., where's the best place for them to go to, to register interest? We're on LinkedIn, Instagram and things like that as well. LinkedIn and Facebook if anybody wants to contact us. Perfect. John, it's been brilliant. Amazing, mate. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thank Thanks. You. Cheers.